Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the many and varied paths across Europe that constitute the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. Dozens of pilgrimages culminate at the majestic cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. Palo Coelho wrote in The Pilgrimage, a contemporary quest for ancient wisdom. We always have a tendency to see those things that do not exist and to be blind to the great lessons that are right before our eyes. I'll repeat it again. We always have a tendency to see those things that do not exist and to be blind to the great lessons that are right there before our eyes. Well, my guest this week is also a writer. I first heard from Capitan Brad when I was preparing for my Camino in the Spanish autumn last year. He wished me all the best, saying, Dan Altrea. Well, we've bounced messages back and forth ever since. Brad's on the line from the U.S. state of Indiana. Welcome, Pilgrim. Well, buen Camino, Dan. Let's talk about you as a pilgrim. How many times have you walked the Camino de Santiago? Uh, twice, Dan. And do you remember what your motivation was the first time you went? Well, the first time was in 2015, thanks to our oldest daughter, Brianna. Uh, she asked me to go, and I had no idea, you know, growing up in the church, the Protestant church here in America, in the Mid-South, um, no clue of pilgrimages necessarily. I mean, Christ was born, Christ um, served, Christ rose again, and, and then cut to the chase 2,000 years later. There's nothing about that whole in-between part. So um, she invited me on the, the Camino, and I did my research. And of course, I said yes before I even did the research, and I thought it would be exciting to go to Spain, and, and did not know did not really have a clue what I was walking into, and uh, it was beautiful. And so you walked with Brianna. Did you do the whole thing? What what path did you take? No, 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 no. Time restric restricted us to um, Leon, to Santiago. So we had a couple of weeks. So we took two and a half weeks with travel time. And uh, in 13 days, I believe, we did Leon to Santiago. And so that's 2015. And so tell us about Camino number two. Well, um, I decided early last year, I guess, about a year ago, um, that I wanted to go back. And this time, instead of doing it for my daughter, with me being secondary, I had a we had a joyous time. We had a wonderful time. And I can go into all the experiences we had in 2015 that were wonderful for father-daughter as well as meeting new people and the people of Spain and and all the remarkable things we experienced. But I decided, what happens if I go back for me? And that's what I did. And I took four weeks and I started in Burgos and so I could do the Meseta and see what that was about because there's many mixed feelings about the Meseta and and I loved it, and so I went straight through Leon and on to Galicia and, and did basically the 500K myself. Did you find a certain magic the second time? Did you, you know, we always talk here on the podcast about the mystical and spiritual nature of it. Did you find that same magic on the second Camino? Uh, 
for me, I guess, by myself, but you're never by yourself, um, it was certainly more spiritual um, because it was just me and those along the way. Those It was really strange. Um, the first Camino with Brianna, of course, I wanted to make sure she was comfortable each um, meal, each night, uh, have a place possibly to even nap and not be interrupted. I, I did fatherly dad things um, that I felt I needed to do, um, which maybe I didn't need to do, but I felt like I needed to do them. And I had never even been to Europe. She's traveled to Europe. She's been to the world, to um, Europe and uh, Panama and my other daughter, Caitlin's been through Europe. So they're well-traveled. Uh, but this was for a middle-aged man. This was the first time I had ever used my passport for that reason. And so I wanted to make sure she was cared for. This time, last year, um, I wanted to take the two-thirds of the Camino Francis and do it for me. And I never prayed so much in my life, um, even growing up in the church, uh, and I had things happen that I never expected would happen, uh, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. Um, I had pains that went away, and I can't explain why. Um, my knees start, were doing things before I went, and then they weren't doing things. They haven't done anything like they were doing before I went. And so just oddities like that or miracles, or, or I, I don't know. I don't know. So it was definitely different, I'll tell you that. Yeah, the second time around. Yeah, and I and I I have written here. If someone's listening and they're thinking of walking, what do you say to them, Brad, in in your home state of Indiana? And indeed, what do your family and friends make of of the Camino? Uh, it's really the same that others have said um, on your podcast and the other podcast I listen to every week. Um, you know, no, you really can't explain it. It is something that has to be experienced. Um, you can certainly offer advice to prepare people uh, for it. Um, but coming from what I call the divided states of America, we have a, a thing here where people go on vacation. They don't go on pilgrimages. They, they go to resorts. They go to those little beach towns or they go to the mountains. They go places where... It's comfortable. And going to Spain and walking for days at a time, if not weeks at a time, is not the most cushy, comfortable experience. Now, I made it more comfortable myself, both communities. I did not suffer um, in a couple of different ways. I prepared myself very well with gear, so to speak, wearable gear that helped me avoid a lot of the situations pilgrims uh, fall into and then i also stayed in eight dollar eight euro um albergues and i stayed in 30 dollar private rooms and 50 dollar bnb once or twice just because i needed that break so you know there's there's ways to do this to where the suffering is less but the struggle each day to get up and do what you need to do one one step at a time um, and one conversation at a time and one meal at a time and 
that's the beautiful part of it, even if it hurts. Yeah, it's like life, right? One one step, exactly. one foot in front of the other, and you'll eventually get there. And, and when you do, you will have had your ups and your downs, but you will have arrived. Exactly. You, you made a point last week about the Camino starts in Santiago, and you made that point several times in, in your, um, I, I, I don't mean anything by monologue, but the, the, the story you were telling, and, and it made the wheels were turning in my head, and I, I thought, well, Dan, in my opinion, no offense, but in my opinion, your Camino starts from birth. I mean, everyone has a Camino, whether they call it that or they know that's what it is. Everyone has a way. And there's certainly genetics and biology involved, but the fact is we all have a way. We all have a pilgrimage through life. And this just happens to be one specific one that has a great history. And Christ is involved and St. James is involved and Christianity is involved. So it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But um, I took a more secular approach in 2015, focused on my daughter and us having a good time. And in 2017, I took a more spiritual approach um, and something that would feed me and my soul and get me through times after the Camino, like you say, it begins after, but knowing that this is just another part of my really 50 year Camino so far. Um, but it's been an amazing two or three years. You mentioned earlier that you have never prayed so much as you prayed on the Camino in 2017. Can I ask you, Brad, in general terms, what were you praying about? Well, I, just my family and myself, my own uh, life, my guidance in my own life, my own physical health, because I would like to live to be as previous generations within my genetic makeup as, have lived to be 90-something or 100, 100 plus. I would like to live long enough to see grandkids and great-grandkids and those kinds of things. So there's short-term things like our immediate family and, and our kids and, and our mothers who are, remain, our fathers aren't here. I mean, you know, Dan, you and I are both men of a certain age, I yeah. like to say. And yeah, we're going to get to that. I think we're only a year or two apart. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, we've lost our fathers, and, and my love and I, Jenny, and I have lost our fathers, and we have our mothers. But you, you see things, you experience things roughly between 40 and 50 or 45 and 55, depending on how old your parents are or others in your life. And, and you experience loss. And, and I saw a lot of that on the first Camino. I saw a lot of people that had lost things, people, careers, uh, a farm, uh, one who had a cattle farm in Zimbabwe. Um, it, people had suffered loss. That was a pretty constant theme. And they were searching for something, whatever that something was, that first one. The second Camino last year, there was less of that for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why there were, well, for one thing, it's a different month. There were a lot of Italian, happy-go-lucky Italian folks <laughs> on the Camino that month. But um, I met a lot more happy couples, which I did not meet two years prior. And that was an interesting development, just happy couples on the Camino. And it was a beautiful thing to see. 
I read one of your Facebook posts. I think you were actually on the Camino when you wrote it. And you said, embrace your Camino anywhere, any place you like, walk or not. If walking, listen to your body and your Camino here or anywhere will be fine, pain and all. That's so true, isn't it, Brad? I I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, yeah. it, it's as it's as true now as ever. I mean, the Camino is not about flying to Spain. It is called the way for reasons, a rather generic term for what is your way. Now, walking, I believe, outside, uh, not in the gym, uh, but outside in the fresh air with someone you love or by yourself with your thoughts, I think works amazing things for the body it's the physiological thing it's a mental thing it's an emotional thing um i walk here in our beautiful little town just outside of indianapolis um but i see all these cars zipping by and i see people talking on phones as they're walking by and things like that and though it is different uh, it's not nearly as pleasant as the countryside of northern spain but but it, it just goes to prove you know, why I love going to places like that, even if it's just a state park or a national park where you have peace and tranquility, like in Galicia or the Meseta or, or crossing the Pyrenees, I imagine. I haven't done that, but I would imagine that's the same peace and tranquility you can get, even through the pain. But... Yes, you can have your Camino anywhere. You don't have to go to Spain. It just ha- ha- so happens that this is something for a few centuries has been something that's building up to something very special. You know, last week I spoke with uh, Anna Chandler. Her son Tom had been locked in a in a catastrophic depression for five years, and and she believed it was the walking that brought him out of it. I believe it's a tonic. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. and I, I listened to I listened to that, and I sent that podcast to my family as well to all of our kids and my love i sent it to her and i said you know this is this is something i could never relate to because i haven't had this happen to me but you've got to listen to this because it's it's true it it can be a tonic and that story was so compelling amazing and beautiful um that that family um transformed and and had no idea that it was going, it was coming, and it, and it all worked out that they happened to be in the same place. And I love the progression of he was cranky and grumpy in the yeah. beginning, and yeah. it, it moved moved on to where all of a sudden he's a he's a changed young man. Yeah, yeah, and, and I believe it. I believe it. It has the power to do that to even fellows that are halfway through. Right, and that's and we're going to get to that. But first let me just ask you a quick question. You wrote in another message to say you're a big man at six foot three and two hundred and seventy five pound. How does a man that big cope walking hundreds and hundreds of kilometers? I don't know. You just do um, it? I I love it. Yeah. I mean I I walk. I mean I've walked for years. Um but in neighborhoods, you know, and beautiful, beautiful neighborhoods too, like boulevards and, and nice walking trails, and 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 you could have podcasts or, or music or something like that. There, of course, in Spain, I use no earbuds, no music, nothing. It's all about this, the surroundings, yeah. and and it's like, like I said, it's like a tonic, um, a really healthy tonic that 
and then the beautiful people that you run into along the way. And, and then sometimes there's cranky people. Sometimes there's people in villages that they're kind of sick of the pilgrims or whatever. It's rare, but it happens. You can tell by the glance. Uh, but for the most part, the pilgrims and the people that are there to welcome you, it's 99% uh, a beautiful thing. And it's nothing like we have in this country at all, especially in the atmosphere we have here today. Uh, everyone's just trying to get by every day. And so I would fly back there in a heartbeat just to be in that beautiful uh, serenity Um and we know Spain's divided, too, in different ways, uh, with Catalonia and all of that and the independence movement and such. But the whole northern band up there and the, the Camino itself, I imagine it's the same for the Italian Camino and the one coming down to France. The countrysides, the villages, when you get out of the cities, here or there, it's a different world. Yeah. Uh, you say you travel light and the Camino provides the rest in views. Reflections, community, food, vino, thavatha, and daily recuperating. It's the beautiful, simple life, isn't it, Brad? Absolutely. I mean, uh, my love and I were just having a talk tonight about, you know, materialism and commercialism and, and such. And it makes me ill. And I love the simplicity of going somewhere, even if I don't speak the language fluently so i had my translator in 2015 brianna who is uh, trained as a teacher um, that's she wanted to go as a celebration getting her master's degree in 2015 i missed that part uh, and she specializes in english as a second language so she helps spanish-speaking children assimilate into america speaking english um so she was my translator in 2015. Well, I went back in 2017 knowing, you know, a dozen, a dozen words or phrases, maybe even not really pronouncing them right, um, and did my best. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's just a beautiful thing to get out of your comfort zone and to go somewhere, wherever it is, Spain or otherwise, and do something that, that challenges you yet do it smartly and do it in a way that you will you can feed your soul and also maybe feed others as well and and maybe be a good ambassador for where you come from yes god god knows we need good ambassadors from this country yeah yeah from everywhere i think in my view now i mentioned at the top of the of the interview brad that you're an author you've written three books called man of a certain age the latest covered your 49th year of, as you say, bottoming out, recovery beginnings, and the people and places that have really helped motivate and invigorate me to do better, to be better, to lead myself better down life's path, my Camino and my life with my love, four wonderful grown and growing kids, and all that life throws at this man of a certain age. Now, Brad, what prompted all of this? Um, really just, I mean, Jenny Lee, my love, Jenny Lee, she's lived it, so she understands all we've been through. But, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain generation, I think. I don't know if this is common or not, um, but at least for me, um, I don't know a lot of the stories of my 
parents and grandparents, they didn't talk a lot. Um, certainly didn't sit, sit around the fire and, and discuss generation upon generation of what's happened in their lives. And you never know when your time is up. And so you do have to live one day at a time. No matter how much you plan future events, you have to kind of live one one walk at a time a day. And I did not want our four kids and future generations to ever wonder what my story was. And so our, our kids, we have, I mean, we have two grown girls and two growing boys. So they're teen and preteen, the boys and the girls are in their twenties. But uh, I just wanted these volumes kind of be out there, certainly not to make money or do anything like that, but it's more like a, a public journal or diary, so to speak, um, published by myself. Um, the editing is horrible, I'm sure. So it, it could be compiled into something that made more sense at some point in the future. But um, I'm figuring five, uh, counting on five, six, maybe seven volumes by the time I'm done. And then they'll have a story. They'll have, it'll be physically on paper, but they'll be able to pluck it out of the ether through CreateSpace or Amazon at some point if they choose to. Uh, it'll always be sitting out there ready for somebody to pick up for a few dollars. But uh, it's something that I wanted to create a record in my words, my thoughts, my current, uh, um, just where I was at the time. And the recovery element, of course, being, you know, I, frankly, I've I had the last decade if you, I don't know how things are in Australia, but as far as America goes, this is the only demographic, my demographic, uh, that 40 to 50 year old demographic for the last decade that's been declining in size. We've been killing ourselves. Yeah. I want to get and, to that in a minute. And, and so, and so, um, you know, that, that's a realization right there. And, Brianna introduced something to me that's so beautiful, the, the Camino. That was a realization that um, there's so many metaphors that come out of the Camino. There's so many real life, everyday life, no matter where you live, um, examples of how to take one step at a time and to enjoy little things and to enjoy people. And, um, and those people you don't enjoy, remove them as quickly as possible. And and make the most of the time you have left, and that goes for there or here. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. Make the most of the time you have left. You say my tribe, as in men of a certain age, is mostly ignored or forgotten if we aren't in places of power and financial influence. And you say too many men of a certain age leaving us too soon. You say you and many of us have great reasons to carry on and reverse this demographic trend. So I'm going to ask you, Brad, how? How do we do it? Well, I think you have to simplify, first of all, um, which again plays into our conversation about the Camino. I mean, how simple is it to take a few changes of clothes? Um, you know, I'm surrounded by beautiful artwork. I love our artwork. Uh, what, back when I had a a media career that was quite
quite successful, a little too successful, too fast. It all went away, and I I have a few relics of those bygone days. But, man, do I love the fact that I can use a few frequent flyer miles almost for free, fly to Spain, and spend 20 or 30 euros a day, maybe 40, and if I splurge 50 or 60 a day, and over two or three or four weeks living out of a 24-liter backpack, I can be fine. I can, And I can meet people from all around the world who are fine, and we can laugh, and we can share stories, those that under, understand each other. And the world comes together. I, I've, I dare call it Epcot because that's a commercial construct of Disney, but it is like that, that melting pot that's real as opposed to some fictitious melting pot because everyone's face-to-face or side-by-side or sharing bandages and medicine or whatever they need to help each other or helping each other find their way when they're lost. And it's, it's a community. It's a community that um, is hard to come by, at least in this, this day and age and this particular place I've grown up in and, and live. It's, it's a different kind of community and, and it kind of crosses all boundaries. And I just find it a beautiful thing, whether you're religious or not. And I happen to be religious, but it doesn't matter. It, it brings people together in a in a different way. Brad, I sense there's another story here that I don't perhaps know about. You say your first two books were written in a sloppy manner, as only a heavy drinker can achieve. Were you a boozy author, or, or and you just talked about a media career that ended quickly? Is there another story that you want to tell us? Well, I I had maybe a typical. Uh, career out of college. I came out of university into a recession and basically had a, a series of sales and marketing jobs that I could not stand. Um, one led to another thinking things would improve. And then finally, I landed with a basically a, a series of entrepreneurs I worked for. And I landed with an entrepreneur, a couple of entrepreneurs that I worked with for over a decade and had great success with that company. We we did wonderfully, and and we all prospered in a big way, a little too fast. Um, but I I basically for the for the most part in my twenty five year career worked with entrepreneurs that were just a little quirky, a little a little out there, um, and but brilliant men nonetheless, all men. Um, and when it went away with a little bit of tragedy involved, we lost a partner in the plane crash and, and uh, his beautiful wife and uh, a couple other things occurred that, that were detrimental to the business. It all fell out of favor with me. I mean, I just did not find business attractive at all. And I found myself at middle age not attractive to anyone else except quirky entrepreneurs and then I grew tired of that and and so basically I just stopped and no real business purpose and of course that led to some bad habits and 
and uh, yeah, very I think very detrimental behavior that that uh, led me to a point of, of bottoming out, and and my love and I kind of bottomed out together, and not her, but but she witnessed me, and uh, and I knew things had to change, and. This was part of it. It was right in between the first Camino and the second Camino. And, and uh, things have changed and things have re- improved dramatically. And and uh, eventually our kids will know that story too. But, uh, you know, they'll have to dig into that at some point but uh, or ask me about it. But this might spark the question. Yeah. And, and I suspect, Brad, walking has had a big part in helping you to recover. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, walking, especially by yourself, and no matter where you are, um, is, is just a mental exercise as much as physical. Um, and I do find myself a lot, especially in busy places where I'm walking, where there's not some nature trail, uh, I do have to have other stories. I love stories. You love stories. Um, I love people who are in the business of stories. That's basically what I did. My most successful part of my career was based on stories. And so I thrive off stories. I thrive off of my thoughts being, you know, my thoughts to myself as well. Um, but it just depends on the atmosphere. If it's a beautiful place, I go without anything and absorb the beauty of wherever I'm walking. If it's somewhere where cars are zipping by at 60 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, then I have to have a little assistance, which means <laughs> podcasts like yours. <laughs> Let's go back to the way of St. James. Do you have a favorite place, Brad, between Burgos and Santiago, somewhere that really resonated with you? Oh, uh, well, I, I actually have several, um, but um, I, I probably wouldn't get the, the pronunciations uh, correct uh, as far as where I stayed. I mean, it's easy to say I stayed in the AC Hotel, the AC Marriott there in Burgos. That's pretty easy. Um, that's how I like to start and end my Caminos in a, a known uh, hotel uh, where I receive all those points and all those American things we like. But um, I did, when we went through, uh, when I left Burgos, went to Hontanas, which yeah. I did the 30, roughly 32K or something like yeah. that the first day. Yeah. Uh, it was a little excessive. I think I was hallucinating a bit as I was coming down the hill in the Hontanas. Uh, but that one, de, is it one de Yepes? Oh, yeah. The yeah. very first albergue with that lovely courtyard that overlooked the, the church. Yeah. Uh, beautiful meal there. You know, another one of those nine euro beautiful place. We had Germans, Italians, had a Russian mother and son there. That was beautiful. Love that, um, but the meseta itself, I I found it to be beautiful, yeah. Uh, because I did not look at it as desolation or flat or anything like that. I looked at it as a bread basket. Uh, this is this is where people are fed, yeah. And 
I just thought it was a, a beautiful place. But yes, I mean, from there, um, you know, there, there's just place after place. I don't know if we want to go into to each one in particular, but I think just past Leon, there was um, that little albergue on the the right there, not not Casa de Jesus, but the the one on the right. Beautiful meal, vegetarian meal. Uh, those are the places I absolutely adored uh, on each of the Caminos. In La Faba, if anybody misses, so many people go straight past the uh, Camino, Camino de, de Arte, the little eight-bed uh, vegetarian uh, albergue. You know, the municipal's down the hill, but the vegetarian's up the hill. And La Faba, on the way to Osobrero. Yeah, yeah. Everyone heads on to Osobrero, and they miss the most beautiful place in La Faba with Ricky and uh, Paolo, who run that albergue and the vegetarian meal there is better than any uh, meat infused Spanish meal you can have. So, so, and so I stayed, you're gone. I stayed a second, I stayed a second night, I, I, awesome. which is not allowed. I said, I'm going to leave my pack. I'm going to go up to Osobrero for lunch. I'm coming back to stay for a second night. Awesome. And that's what I did. Fantastic. Did you then and, walk Osobrero again the following day? Of course. Oh my god! No. And, and it was so, it was so surreal coming down the mountain for for dinner that night. I mean, or after lunch, after I had lunch up there, and I come down the mountain, and everybody's huffing it and puffing yeah. it going up the hill. Oh but 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 I I love the trip up in the morning, and I knew I did not have a, a pack on my back, so I knew I could just go up there, have a little wine, have a little snack. Because Osobrero doesn't really do for me. Now, I I did pay homage to the the gentleman that that uh, was responsible for the arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don, I'm I'm not remembering his name right now, yeah, but Don, you know. Him. And uh, I paid homage to him and his grave at the church there, um, and then came back down the hill and had a beautiful afternoon and. Another wonderful dinner with another. That's the other thing. When you stop in these small albergues, especially the vegetarian ones, for some reason, um, you will meet the most interesting, fun, laughing people who know they're eating healthy. And I'm no vegetarian, but I love these meals. They were delicious. And so every time I would see a vegetarian um, albergue, I would, I would find that one because because I knew it was going to be something good. Yeah, that's great advice, actually, because there's nothing... You don't have to eat meat every day, and then, let's face it, you do eat a lot of meat on the Camino, so having a day off to do you no harm at all. In fact, uh, there's been oh. now a couple of different guests who've recommended that particular albergue. Um, Ted uh, Ted, and the fireman Ted from... Uh, Ted Walker from, from the UK recommended that place as well and said it was magnificent. Yeah, so by all means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you do a lot of planning before you go, Brad? Are you one of these spreadsheet pilgrims, as I call them? (laughs) I've heard you say that before. Um, No, I mean, I, I, there's one spreadsheet, I guess, um, if 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 you can consider it that the Briarly Guide is something I found very um, beneficial. 
um, you know, it, and, and I found it beneficial, not necessarily because you follow the Briarly guide, uh, stop by stop. You just see how his advice per village matches up with your likes or dislikes. And for me, um, more times than not, I would first Brianna and I, and then just myself, uh, we would stop uh, one town shy of his recommendation or one town long of his recommendation. And that was, that was how we managed best because we would find places that of course, towns and villages and, and albergues for the most part, private albergues, not, not the, the municipals that uh, would be quieter, have a chance of less traffic, have a chance of, of, of our friends who are of, of like mind from Italy or, or France or, or the Aussies or the Kiwis we met, um, they would have kind of like uh, preferences. And so we never stayed in Saria. We never stayed in, um, well, I stayed in Ponferrada. We skipped it the first time. We didn't never stay in Astorga. Um, Leon, we were on the outskirts of Leon. Uh, um, because the bigger cities were less attractive with as many options as there were. They were less attractive for the feel and, and the group um, uh, the group setting, the group meals, the communal meals, yeah, or or we want that private room, so we could get a, a full night's sleep and not worry about being interrupted. Yeah, I think it's important you do it every once in a while because uh, I, I'm not somebody who liked to have an a, an afternoon kip, a, a siesta. Um, so I found myself getting more and more tired because you don't always get a great deal of sleep, and as you Everybody knows you get woken up at half past four or five o'clock, and that's it. You're out and about. Well, napping, napping is a big thing in the Hill family. So, <laughs> um, you know, it would, and that was something that was like my charge to myself. Nobody else put this on me. I put it on myself. But in 2015, my charge was give her a space somewhere where she can crash. And, and get that two hours, and I'll go out and check out the town and be prepared to for us to know where we're going for dinner. Uh, but I can get some fresh air. She can get the freedom and the nap. But for me, just last year, like going to Samos, if anyone misses, we didn't do that the first time. If anyone misses Samos um, on the Francis, on the uh, – uh, yes, Camino Francis. If anyone misses Samos, they're making a huge mistake. It's one of the most beautiful walks to Samos. And then from Samos um, to, I guess, Saria um, is one of the most gorgeous walks. And then once you get to Samos, that monastery that sits there. And I had friends who at, were regretted staying at the monastery, 80 beds, 80 mostly men sawing logs uh, for 20 euros. I stayed right across the street from that monastery, the back door of the monastery in a private room for 20 euros instead of 10. And I had a beautiful night's sleep and a nice view of a cemetery. <laughs> but, but the point being you find your Camino, you don't have to do, um, 
everything the way people think you should do it. And and there are other options out there. And there will be nights you're sleeping with others for sure. Like in La Faba, you will sleep with others in eight, an eight-bed tiny room. But you can find your peace and quiet too along the way and just shake it up and 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 make sure you listen to your body the whole way, which means you're resting and uh, and gear up, which is something I would like to talk about at some point. Just the simple things you can do to prevent major problems that can make you miserable. Okay. And, well, like what? Well, like uh, I had the benefit during my post-marketing career of working part-time. We lived in a tiny downtown that happened to have one of those outdoor stores, out, outfitter stores that uh, hikers and bikers and trickers go to. And I learned a lot about different products, different gear. Um, and I didn't make any gear, so to speak, no walking poles or anything like that. But um, the quick dry clothes were huge for me, uh, which I had my favorite brands of those. But quick dry clothes, uh, which includes shirts and shorts and underwear and even pants, because I like to wear pants to dinner and not shorts. You know, I've been wearing shorts all day. I like to wear these thin, like, trekking pants, but something where nobody has to look at my hairy legs. And and I can go to dinner on a nice patio and look like I might be a local. Uh, but, you know, Patagonia Mountain Hardware, Exificio, those kinds of brands, they're not cheap. But, boy, do they last forever. And... And they pack tight in a 24-liter backpack. Um, we always talk about our feet. And the two biggies there is I only wear smart wool PhD socks or wool, merino wool socks, whatever brand you find. But mine's, my brand is choice is smart wool because they're so thick. And the blisters don't come. And Keen trekkers the the brand keen shoes people like mountain boots or hiking boots and i'm only a summer kind of camino person because i like the heat and i like dry weather but the keens that are waterproof yet breathable my feet never sweat and though even in wool socks and the blisters don't come and i think if with just a few things like like that, you know, a light pack, the right kind of gear. It's a little high tech, a little expensive for sure. But if you want to prevent a trip to the pharmacy or the hospital, listen to your body, stop when you need to stop, but wear the right stuff too, and you'll be fine. And you might have a tiny blister here that you got to run a string through and, and drain it and then let it dry overnight. You might have a little things like that but these horror stories i've seen online and heard about i believe with the right clothing gear uh can be totally avoidable and it doesn't require you training for six months or anything like that at home you need to be walking you need to be breaking in your shoes for sure um but it doesn't require you doing 20 or 25k a day for three months to to go do the Camino, just get out there, break those shoes in and then go and have a spare pair of shoes strapped to your bag that you can put on in the afternoon that everything's nice and dry and, and all quick dry stuff 
no, no cotton, just quick dry things, and you'll be fine. Yeah. And I think people miss that, and I've never heard anybody say that in any any particular blog or 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 even podcast to be so specific. And it really annoys me each time because those pro- products are out there, and if you can afford to get to Spain and, and spend a month there, you can probably afford a few pairs of things that would keep you to from, from having terrible problems. Yeah, spend a bit of money, and it's an investment as as well as 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 a, a value valuable uh, item to take with you. Brad, we're just about out of time. We're running out of time. But I wanted to just say something about you, you, you're keen to maintain an interest because I know you're someone who participates in a lot of online discussion. Uh, and so is that something that you actively participate in? You, you know, you're keen to keep commenting on people's uh, Facebook posts and the like? Um, not anymore. When I was out there uh, last summer, I was. Um, but it might have had something to do with being kicked off of the American uh, Camino Facebook page because I was sharing too much, oh. um, which I found hilarious. Um, but I, I love seeing what uh, Johnny Santiago, what you, what you all are doing, and 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 doing to help promote something that is extremely ancient yet brought into modern times of course with that movie which i watched which intrigued me like crazy when brianna brought this up and uh, what's happened in the last few years has been tremendous it's been beautiful it's probably changing tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of lives now that we're up over three hundred thousand, at least on the one camino but it also brings a, a commercialism to it and, and uh and so I think the Camino Francis and I are done for a while. And now it's the Norte um, that's in my sights. And the Portuguese route is certainly there, too. I think Lisbon to Santiago would be very uh, fulfilling. But the Norte brings in something that another passion of mine, uh, which I've had ever since I was a little boy, uh, is is the water um and uh i I know there's no place to plug someone else's book but have you ever read the blue mind no i haven't read the blue mind the blue mind it's a a doctor in california i don't recall his name but blue mind you, you won't have any trouble finding it but basically it's about what water does to your mind and i think as far as what water can do to your body, mind, soul when you're near or in beautiful places around water. I think the Camino shares that too. And I think, um, you know, the Camino has a different kind of blue mind. It's a Camino mind, I guess. It's not water necessarily. But when I read that book in 2014, not knowing where I was heading in 2015, there's been a progression here of that peace and tranquility that comes from water and beautiful places usually that have water, you know, it's usually blue or blue green water um, that are beautiful. And then experiencing the Camino, which is a lot of green, uh, the Meseta, a lot of green as far as growth and and the breadbasket goes, uh, yellows and browns too. 
there's just a lot of peace and tranquility. And so it's one experience at a time finding these places around the world. And I have a lot of places to go, a lot of places I want our family to go um, to where water or not, we experience peace and tranquility and not commercialism, materialism, and, and all the all the distractions that come with so-called modern society. Brad, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Just terrific. I've really enjoyed it. Me too, Dan. It's overdue. I greatly appreciate you reaching out, and uh, I, I've loved this, and I really look forward to hearing how it comes together and of course listening every tuesday um when i download your podcast is something i look forward to every week you know technology makes the world so much smaller the camino makes it that much smaller again amen amen and we'll we'll be in sydney someday i know we will oh well, i'll look forward to that oh. very very much that'll be fantastic we will We'll be calling on you. We'll we'll probably meet uh, Johnny Santiago face to face first, but then we'll quickly catch up with you. Thanks, Brad. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Dad. Buen camino. Buen camino. Capitan Brad, there, a U.S. pilgrim and writer, who says, "Embrace your camino anywhere, any place you like, walk or not. If walking." Listen to your body, and your Camino here or anywhere will be fine, pain and all. And men of a certain age do often need someone to talk to. My advice is to reach out. We have a program here in Australia called Are You OK? It's a pretty simple gesture to ask someone if they are OK. You never know what the response will be. Indeed, someone, somewhere, may be waiting for you to ask. Palo Coelho wrote in his book, The Pilgrimage, we always have a tendency to see those things that do not exist and to be blind to the great lessons that are right before our eyes. I've added a link to Brad's book at the bottom of the podcast notes. That's all we have time for. I'll be back again next week with another guest, another podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for your company and until next week, Buen Camino. Mm-hmm.